It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this Wednesday. I'm Roger Bouchard. Jeff Kamash is here. And we'll have some other uh, people here, too, via the telephone to uh, bring you up to date on certain things. So stay with us. Open line at 7690600. Jeff, uh, what is uh, the uh, the lineup uh, this morning, as you understand it? Good morning. 8.15, good morning. We'll be joined, uh, well, it's you and I, to 8.15. 8.15, 8.30, we'll have Scott Gibbs with us. And then at 8.30 this morning, she's just finishing up a briefing right now. We'll be joined by our Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt until mm-hmm. 9 o'clock. All right, so we'll be uh, chatting about what didn't happen last night. And on the other hand, we'll be chatting about what could have happened last night. And a little bit about probably what did happen mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, yeah, a few, uh, a few uh, incidents to report. So stay right along with us. Now, in doing the news, there's so many stories. Uh, we had the what we call the protest alert around the city last night. Everybody uh, got a telephone message, well, almost everybody. If you have a registered phone uh, with somebody, it automatically dials. That's the Code Red program mm-hmm. you've heard so much about. And a night like last night is a good example, besides snowstorms, why you should register it. Stop by the city's website and do sign up for it. All right. So uh, that was um, a um, citywide call to people telling them to stay in their house in case uh, protesters decided to uh, get out of hand. And then, of course, the secondary story is... Um, One we've been carrying now for the past 10 weeks. Uh, We did an update on the coronavirus and uh, the death toll and the statistics and all the uh, nuances of that story. And so what uh, we didn't cover, but we wanted to kind of leave for a special uh, coverage, was um, an announcement that made its way uh, into the emails of... uh, of WNRI, and also uh, Catherine Gregg over at the Providence Journal. She uh, did a nice piece on it. And basically what it says is another Rhode Island lawmaker, and the first in the House has announced that he's not running for re-election, and he's from Woonsocket. And that was the announcement yesterday that Representative Michael Morin uh, will not run for re-election. Now, this was no big local secret, uh, I can tell you, but the story goes on to say... A Democrat, Michael Morin, first elected February 2014, a special election. And then he was elected three more times to House District 49. And he is a retired captain and fire marshal from the Woonsocket Fire Department. 31 years there. He was a former assistant deputy state fire marshal and was president of the Woonsocket Firefighters Local 732. And he's now working for what he's described in his news release as working in an environmental safety job in Providence. I got into politics because I had the time, but now I want the time to focus on the next chapter of my life with my fiance Darlene Boudreaux, which includes working on wedding plans for the next year and due to the COVID postponing our wedding this year. Now, Michael has risen to deputy majority leader. He co-sponsored last year's high-controversy bill to extend expired teachers' contracts indefinitely. And now the target of a lawsuit by the Rhode Island League of Cities and Towns, as well as legislation to allow online sports wagering. He also cites among his accomplishments his role in helping small businesses, especially those in the growing brewery and distillery industries, and specifically his sponsorship of a law allowing them to sell limited amounts to customers for sampling and online consumption. And finally, he introduced a bill this year to expand the amounts that can be sold for off-premise consumption. And he was a sponsor of the 2007 Child Protection Law that prohibits the use of certain chemicals in the manufacture, sale, distribution of residential or posted children's products proven to cause cancer. And uh, personal note, um, Michael has been a pleasure to work with here at WNRI, he was on our rotation of state legislators, and still is, uh, to um, to come in uh, every uh, seven or eight weeks or so and chat with us about legislation in the General Assembly. He was always there to do that, and uh, always a good uh, sponsor of uh, community events. We will miss Michael Morin, 
when he uh, finishes his last General Assembly session. And we don't know if he's going to get even a chance to sit at his seat before this session is adjourned. Um, that might not happen. Your comments, Jeff Gamash. Uh, you know him all, too. Good guy. know him very well. When I was performing uh, through uh, several of his early campaigns, I would uh, do the, uh, the high-rise circuit with him, perform, introduce him. I was there when he began his campaign. I was there when he got elected uh, multiple times to his campaign. I'm, I like Mike Moore, and he's a good man, and, and I'm sure his fiance is a terrific woman. And, uh, and boy, what a, what a nice couple if you haven't seen them in public. Uh, two things that popped in my mind with Mike Morin was the stadium theater. He was the key cog into uh, getting them what they needed as far as uh, uh, tax credits to continue to exist. So he was a crucial cog there for the stadium theater. Uh, one of the things that I'm very proud to know Mike on is his work at number one uh, music education in all public schools. He presented legislation uh, to encourage that to continue and funding it. Um, Also, his work to increase penalties for sex trafficking of minors uh, was another piece of legislation that he um, he anchored. I I think it's a loss for one socket in in the steps, rather Roger that. We had a one socket man who had the ear of the Speaker of the House being the deputy majority leader. And that's a position that's hard to give up. Um, not so confident uh, that uh, it'll be quick before one socket gets that position again. But uh, it's a shame to lose that position. Same to lose it. He's a good guy. I, I like Mike Moran as an individual and as a, uh, as a leader. Thank you for those nice words. And uh, so uh, we want to uh, say... Good luck, too. We wish him uh, the best, too. We're going to have a few messages, and then uh, Scott Gibbs will be joining us on our live line for a few moments. We'll be talking about um, his department at City Hall and also uh, a few other matters. Stay right along with us. Missy's Family Restaurant is excited to announce that they will be reopening this Friday, June 5 at 7 a.m. Limited menu. Dine-in is available with 50% capacity limit. You are urged to call ahead for seating availability. Takeout orders, of course, are available at their regular number, 401-597-6442. New restaurant hours for Missy's Family Restaurant. Open daily, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Missy's Family Restaurant, 801 Clinton Street in Woonsocket. And so good to uh, see them come back into the fold here in the uh, restaurant business. And their day is this coming Friday. All right, another uh, one of our great sponsors here on the program is um, our friends at uh, K. Kasha. And uh, here is their message. K. Kasha, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're K. Kasha. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having K. Kasha to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Curbside service continues at Champs. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine and the sale goes on on Kettle Vodka, $32.99 for the 1.75-liter bottle. And Bacardi Rum, the 1.75-liter bottle, is only $23.99. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway does high-rise and senior complex delivery service, too. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. We're back to the panel, and we're on the Upfront program, and we have uh, Scott Gibbs on our live line right now. He does um, 
a weekly radio program here on WNRI that's uh, called Your Town. That'll be on tonight at 6.05. Uh, but um, that's just one of his uh, projects in life. And, hey, um, are you the uh, acting planning director for the city right now? Or can we describe you as that, uh, too? Is that an accurate figure? Yes, I'm the interim director, Roger. All right, interim director. And um, also, um, um, you are involved in economic development uh, uh, in several other capacities. Would you identify them for our audience, please? Well, we, I, I work for the Economic Development Foundation of Rhode Island, which is a private nonprofit, built Highland Park. Uh, we do a lot of consulting work with other communities, such as Burrowville, uh, City of Pawtucket, City of Newport. Uh, so with our hands in a lot of different things. Um, at the City Council meeting on Monday night, um, uh, a, a new budget was... Uh, was put together and, um, and and passed by the council. I have a couple of questions, um, and, and of course you may have a... Did you want to uh, uh, open up with a statement uh, concerning... Um, no. uh, or do you want me to just ask you a bunch of questions? Just ask the questions. Okay, first, sure. uh, the first question is that council member, um, Mr. Um, uh, let's see, uh, council member um, Kanoya, um, did a whole bunch of things. He he removed money from the budget and moved it into contingency. And he told the, the, the mayor and the administration, if you need this money, all you have to do is ask for it. And we'll just transfer it out of contingency back into um, into the regular budget. I'm not going to draw you into that particular part of it. But he did remove some monies from the budget that concerned uh, economic development and put them into uh, contingency uh, are you are you good with this, knowing that the money is still around, uh, or uh, would you just like to see it as a line item? Well, I don't think it's the issue of the money not being around or being around. I think the councilman's you know, actions related to some ambiguity as it relates to uh, tax receipts. Um, so, you know, whether it is or is not available in the future is yet to be seen. Uh, I can't really speculate on that. I will say that the um, uh, the cuts or, or deferrals, effectively, is, is going to hit our department pretty heavily because the department is significantly understaffed to begin with. And uh, I don't think people really appreciate uh, the workload of the people who work in the planning department and the amount of hours they put in. Um, the money that was in the budget uh, was going to address a very important uh, staff addition um, to help the, uh, the department operate better and more effectively. Unfortunately, that's now been um, shelved, and it's going to also hurt our, our zoning side. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't make policy, but it's going to make it that much more difficult for the department to be... To, to basically perform at the level that the taxpayers, uh, you know, I think expect. I think um, from what I was understanding, Mr. Canario was just trying to make that money tougher to get at. I didn't get it as a cut. I got it as uh, we're putting it here and you've got to ask for it. So if you want to hire that person, uh, you know, give us a give us a shout. And, uh, and if it's justified, we'll move the money back. Is, is, did I misunderstand that? I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of things being said. I mean, the way I heard it at the beginning was that there was concern as to whether or not the city was going to be able to achieve a 98% collection rate. Um, and if if that was off even a percent, it would translate to a half a million dollars of, of uh, absent money. Um, so I think that there was, from what I understood, it was an effort to try to manage, you know, that potential risk. Um you know, clearly they, they, the message was, you know, we're open, let's talk. If you have something that has to be done that's important, we'll talk about it. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I can't get into the uh, into the process of speculating the motives or, or the reasoning. All I can do is just, uh, you know, address the realities for our department. During that same meeting, uh, uh, you're in economic development, Mr. Kanoya also um actually uh, and it's it's symbolic it doesn't really really amount to uh any significant savings but he symbolically took the tax cut for homeowners uh, like myself and reduced it a little bit 
and brought that money over to the commercial side and and actually reduced the liability for commercial tax um, taxpayers a little more at the expense of private homeowners. I was I, I was okay with that, but. Um, uh, were you at least glad to see that somebody is aware that our commercial tax rate is far too high and that they symbolically did something to even reduce it further? Uh, of course. Um, it's no secret. Everybody knows that the commercial tax rate of Woonsocket is, re- is very, very high. Uh, any reduction, even as little as that was you know, put in uh, the budget as, uh, by the councilman's actions, is, is important. Um, there's a long, long way to go on that issue, but there are also some fundamental issues that are also very, very important to the ability of the city to both retain and to attract companies. You know, Scott, I like you a lot, but sometimes I enjoy asking questions that are going to get you into trouble. And so here is one of them. Are you ready? (laughs) Sure. Okay. Um, The Woonsocket City Council... um, Perhaps, based on uh, some of the um, some of the things that they've done, do you feel that the council is anti-economic development? Um, and now I realize that you're in the administration of the mayor right now as an interim person, but um, d- based on what you saw happening uh, with the uh, moving funds around and so forth, do you feel that the, they're uh, on the page of uh, promoting economic development? Um, you know, I've not had any one-on-one conversations with any city councilman regarding uh, their their perspective on economic development, so I really don't have enough information to even answer that question. Um, I, all I can do is, you know, do the best I can with with what with what I'm given. Um, but uh, I, I I'm not going to paint a broad brush against anybody saying they're anti-economic development. I think everybody wants to see jobs created, wants to see investments made, wants to see the city do better. Um, the question is whether or not uh, the, you know we're, we're willing to do the things that are necessary to give us the ability to attract and retain investment. That's the big issue. We, we can talk a lot about being pro-business and, and pro-investment, but we have to understand that we have to have the tools in order to do that. Um, and if we're not willing to, to use those tools, then I, I hate to say that we are no different than a bunch of other communities and we're not going to get the investment, which is dwindling at a very accelerating rate. Not just when soccer, I mean everywhere. Going to the industrial park for a second, are we going to build a, a road specially for this uh, a new company that's coming in from Franklin, or are they two separate projects? What are we doing uh, to uh, make uh, this uh, company feel comfortable with their investment in Woonsocket? Well, I hope they're not listening to the radio, <laughs> because there's been some messages on there that doesn't make them very warm and fuzzy right now. I've, I've had ongoing conversations with the, the president of the company to manage the relationship, and you know, luckily he's a he's a Woonsocket resident, and he's in strong support of locating in this community. They're making a very significant investment in the city uh, in a very difficult time, which should be celebrated by all. Um, there should be no room for negativity here. Um, this project does not involve the construction of a new road or even a part of a road. Uh, to hopefully loop back out into Minden Road. Um, The city put together a tax increment financing district back in 2015 to provide a funding mechanism to build that kind of road in the future. Um, This company is building a private road into their own building and not the public road that we would hope be built sometime in the future to help alleviate uh, some of the traffic impacts on Minden Road. So will we see that public road uh, ever built um, to, uh, as you said, alleviate the traffic on Menden Road? Well, why, why hasn't it been built? It's, it's certainly the traffic has been there. It's an issue of money. Um, it's not, not going to be a state road, so it has to be funded municipally. And that's why the tax increment financing district was put in place 
to create a revenue stream that can fund that road through what's called a TIF bond. It's a revenue bond. It's not a general obligation bond. And it's a very aggressive and innovative tool that's being used by a lot of communities to do economic development. Pawtucket's using it as part of their $400 million Tidewater project. East Providence is using that program as part of their waterfront development. Um, it's a really important tool that would give us the ability to fund that road. Without that tool, the only way that road could be built is either a general obligation bond by the city or a budget appropriation from the city. Um, it's a lot of money. I, I, we, we haven't designed the entire road, but my guess is when it's all said and done, that road's probably going to be, if it's built to go all the way out to Minden Road, probably about $2 million. Uh, here's the so, six. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. The, six, the $64,000 question on that road yep. is, yep. does the road spur any economic new economic development, or does the road just uh, uh, make it nice for the existing uh, tenants at uh, Highland? It's not just the tenants in Highland. It's everybody that drives up and down Minden Road. Uh, everybody's seen what the traffic congestion is in that area. We've had some traffic studies conducted. Because uh, we, we have come up with a concept to deal with some of that traffic impact at the end of 99. The state would have to be in a position to fund that. But that portions of that road are operating at a level of F, which means that's not good. <laughs> so those issues have to be addressed, not just for the companies in, in the park, but everybody that goes up and down Minden Road. The, you know, I've always argued that, you know, Highland is Highland. We know what we have. Um, there is opportunities for additional investment. There is some land left, not a lot. Mm -hmm. But the real issue is, what do we do to protect Highland in the future? It's very easy to, to rest on your laurels and yet all of a sudden find out that you're starting to lose company for a variety of reasons. One of them could be traffic. Mm -hmm. So the road was, not, it was seen as a way to help reinforce Highland as a location, as an you know, attractive location as well as, from a whole city standpoint, help to alleviate the traffic on Minden Road. All right, and, and just a, m a mechanical question on that. Yep. So does the road actually uh, uh, send traffic uh, onto uh, the highway and send it into the city uh, so that it relieves the, the congestion of it going uh, onto Route 99? Is that the purpose of the road? No, because people that are leaving the park... Some of them are taking a right onto Minden Road and heading, say, up Minden Road to Bellingham, Franklin, mm -hmm. you know, those areas. So yeah. it effectively gives another way to get out of there without going through the controlled intersection. So it helps alleviate the pressure on that intersection. Uh, and then brings the traffic to uh, Cass Avenue traffic signal and the Minden Road traffic signal. And, right, so well, people, mm -hmm. people heading north, that's right, or other parts of the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else I should be asking you in this interview, because we're a little out of time here, that I, uh, I didn't ask? Sometimes I, I miss the point altogether, Scott. <laughs> no, you, I, think you, I think you hit the point. It's, um, it's a struggle out there. Uh, we're all feeling it. Uh, the economy's filling it. We're trying to do the best that we can, given what we have. One, that's one of the reasons why you know we're really excited about seeing some new investment in the city. There's a variety of projects that are happening, but the rush is is the cream of the crop, and that is going to create such a unbelievable entrance way to Highland and to the city, and it's going to really help the city. I think reputation as a place for business investment. And now the proper pronunciation is R Rosh? Uh, Resh, R-E-S-H. Right. And, and when do you think Resh will have their building complete and be operational? Resh wants to be under construction, I would say, in uh, September of this year. Mm -hmm. and they want to be up and running in, uh, in late summer of next year. Now, so it's going to happen quick. These guys are moving forward very, very fast. Assuming that we get all the other things we have to get done, including getting through the local regulatory process, which they're in right now, and dealing with the uh, tax stabilization agreement. You know, you in economic development and, and Roger here in, in the broadcasting business, we share the same thought, and here it is. Economic development was tough enough 
in February and now add coronavirus and national protests and um, makes the job just a, a little more challenging, doesn't it? It's brutal. It, I mean, it's always been brutal in Rhode Island, to be honest with you. Um, this state is a very difficult state to be competitive in. But when you throw into it in the mix all these other things, you, you, you just got to take a step back and you've got to say, all right, regardless of who I like or I don't like, regardless of what team I'm on and what team I'm not on, we better all pull together here and work really, really super hard and aggressive and creatively to help right-size this or we're in for a real, real long, muddy road. And that's for a lot of communities. Scott Gibbs, thank you for joining us this morning as usual. And um, uh, let's all try to pull together. I appreciate it very much. Good day. Thanks, Roger. Bye-bye. Take care. On our live line, Scott Gibbs. Interim uh, planning director and uh, also uh, just a general, knowledgeable, productive economic development guy in the area. We'll be back with the mayor in a moment. The wastewater treatment plant of the city of Woonsocket is reminding customers not to flush wipes of any kind into the system. And although the packaging might say flushable, they should never be flushed down the toilet. Only flush the three P's, poop, pee, and paper. Flushable wipes are not truly flushable. They might go down, but they do not break up like regular toilet paper. If you do use paper towels or wipes, throw them into your trash cans. Remember, wipes of any kind can clog our sewer systems and even harm your home's plumbing. The practice of flushing wipes is causing problems at the treatment plant and unnecessary expenses to the city of Woonsocket. This announcement presented by the Woonsocket Wastewater Treatment Facility. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Hey, the McGee team, uh, nice house. Uh, We're going to feature this one again. It is on 3rd Avenue. It's up where, um, I don't know if this is going to help sell the house or not. It's up where uh, Councilman, uh, former Councilman Schneck uh, used to live, right? Uh, and still does, for that matter. This is a nice piece of property at 536 Third Avenue. So this would be on the northern side of Third Avenue uh, as you're um, going up uh, the hill toward the friendly home and also um, toward St. Antoine residence. Beautiful house. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, three bedrooms. This house was built in 2004. And uh, Scott McGee says, uh, Roger... Tell them this is a fantastic raised ranch. Mention the double car garage. Mention the two full bathrooms. And then um, extra storage space that walks to the garage. And the backyard of woods with no one behind you. So you have privacy to entertain your guests. And uh, it's in... um, you could say it's in Fairmount, but within Fairmount, there's a little district called Cherry Hill. And uh, that's the district that it's in. If you'd like to see this uh, property, give Scott McGee a call at 639-2906. Um, little uh, less than um, for taxes, uh, under 5500 a year. Beautiful property. Scott, Scott McGee has it at REMAX Properties, and he would love to show it to you. And he will. If you give him a call. All right. Let me see here on my. uh, Oh, yes. um, We have uh, a new announcement um, here in the month of June for K's. And I want to tell you that K's is open for inside dining, dining, outside dining, take out the whole thing. We're getting there together. You've been waiting for us and we've been waiting for you. And now outside dining and inside dining is available at K's. It isn't like it used to be yet, but we believe it's coming. We all want to do this the right way and the safe way. So as we slowly make our way back to the normal, 
Consider joining us as we have taken all the precautions to make your dining experience as comfortable and pleasant as possible. And we're so grateful for your support that you've given us during the takeout phase only. And while takeout continues at K's, we now invite you to join us at our newly created outdoor dining area or in our reconfigured inside dining room. Yes, the same great K's standard menu and a lot of new add-ons to enhance your dining experience. Check out our Facebook page for daily updates. There are so many great dining experiences Experiences available in the Woonsocket area, and we hope that you'll come in and see us soon at K's, 1013 Cass Avenue. Call 762-9675 to make a reservation or place a takeout order. To all our valued customers over the years, a big thank you from Dave and the staff at K's. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, thank you, Scott Gibbs, for joining us. And uh, thank you, Jeff Gamash, for joining us. And thank you, Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt, on our live line, for joining us. Good morning to you. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Mayor. Where I thought I would begin, so that we don't miss out on the chronology of events, is um, after you got up yesterday and um, and got ready to uh, go to work, why don't you take us through the day yesterday so that we have a, a sequence of events to help us understand um, what happened in the last 24 hours in Woonsocket. Certainly. So, well, getting up yesterday and heading to the office, uh, I wasn't expecting that the day would turn into uh, what the result was. And uh, it immediately um, morphed into us having a public safety a day filled with public safety uh, issues and concerns and how we would address that. So the entire day yesterday was spent uh, with uh, public safety, both on the fire and police side, um, our public safety director, the chiefs, um, all the staff, uh, determining um, our approach to yesterday's uh, threats from social media of vandalism and looting, etc. Were you aware about this by noontime, or, and when did you start um, doing the, the planning? Because a lot happened by 6 o'clock in terms of preparations. Yeah, we learned, uh, no, we learned earlier than noontime. It was, um, I mean, I'd have to go back and check my messages, but, you know, we'll say somewhere between 9 and 10 o'clock. And... Did you immediately take them seriously, or did you think that uh, maybe uh, it's just, uh, you know, you know how sometimes on Facebook uh, some people can put up anything they want and doesn't necessarily have to be so? No, you're absolutely right, and that's the problem with social media. So uh, social media can be a very valuable tool uh, for many reasons, but it can also be very de- detrimental and harmful. And But anything that's posted uh, needs to be taken seriously and looked at. Uh, thoroughly to determine uh, whether or not it is uh, someone just, you know, being unreasonable and, and, you know, trying to create chaos where there's none, or is there actually uh, something that's in the planning stages? As a chief administrator, there's always the issue of balance, whether you're going to overreact to this or whether you're going to... uh um, ignore it, and I, I noticed that um, you did take some moves in terms of, uh, for instance, boarding off City Hall, but on the other hand, didn't call for a curfew, so it must have been a real tough time trying to balance what to do in the name of public safety. Correct, and, you know, I, I've said this before, and I am not shy about saying it, uh, you have to have a very strong team by your side. Uh, no mayor or town administrator is going to handle every issue within a community uh, that, uh, y- you know, from all different departments. And we have a seasoned and talented uh, director of public safety, and both of our chiefs are long-time serving in their professions, and uh, their their team is strong behind them. And Woonsocket is, I'm fortunate as the mayor that they want to serve in this administration and have pretty much consistently served from the beginning, and uh, that is important to uh, to the residents of the city, and uh, I'm grateful to them. And to answer your question, yes, you know, we, we sit down basically in that situation room and determine what direction everything is going in, and their input is extremely important to the, to the result of what we do. 
Mayor, from the governor yesterday, um, uh, concerning uh, the question was from a reporter, who's behind uh, these uh, postings and these protests? And she said um, that uh, it was funded by someone in some organization. Uh, that, that was a quote that I, I sit there every day and listen to her news conference, so uh, I wrote that down as a quote. Um, where is this coming from? Uh, I, I don't think it's coming from people protesting. I think there's a legitimate bunch of people out there protesting the death of this man in Minneapolis. That was tragic. And, uh, and, and, and I think that uh, somebody wants to say something under the First Amendment, they should. But then there's another group who are rioters, not protesters. Who are they in your mind? Well, they come from all over. I mean, some of what we saw yesterday were actually uh, individuals from other states uh, looking to come into our community. And I have to say, you know, and, and I say this all the time, too, we have a wonderful community. We're an urban community who is extremely diverse, and we are a, a family. And we had uh, calls from folks from within the community sharing what they were learning, what they were seeing, they were forwarding it on um, my, to, to, to my office, to all the people that I indicated earlier. And we take all that information from them. So they're, uh, they're part of the team. They're helpful to us in piecing together what's happening. But you're right. Uh, people are coming from elsewhere. Uh, they, they have these plans in place where, uh, you know, they begin potentially on social media to try to hype things up. People come from outside of the city. There's a difference between a peaceful protest, which can actually at times be very beautiful and very moving, and then the crossing of the line to outright vandalism, theft, thuggery, and that was something that we stood firm on yesterday and will not tolerate in the city of Woonsocket. Mayor, if we could talk a little bit about what did happen. I know the city was not completely unscathed with some graffiti, at least on City Hall, that I have seen through photographs in the city of Woonsocket. So what did occur overnight in the city? So I haven't gotten the full report. Uh, I've gotten uh, parts of the report. You have to remember we have a lot of people who were up very late last night. Uh, but we did have a few arrests. We had some graffiti. Uh, but overall... Um, it was relatively calm, but the team was out there, and they were in full force. And that team, is it uh, consistent of only city? Was outside National Guard brought into the city to provide any aid or support overnight? We had resources uh, available to us. Uh, we had state police resource, National Guard resource. You may have seen helicopters in the city, state police in the city. But overall... Um, it was our local department, and oh, they, they were on standby. Um, the others were on standby, as were other communities. So this is a time where, and, I, and I've also spoken of this before, where mayors and town administrators uh, have um, really formed a very strong bond in the state of Rhode Island. Unlike years before, where everybody was, you know, one man for themselves, always looking to see what they could bring to their community, uh, it was, it, it's different now. Um, you know, I checked my email, uh, I don't know, I think it was maybe 11.30 again last night. I had a message from the town administrator in North Smithfield uh, reassuring uh, me that their resources were available, and I reassured him that uh, we stand by ready to help him also. You know, they have a, Walmart is in their community now. So we also have... Uh, the beauty of the, the police chiefs who also work and have a very strong bond and you know we're all in it together right and that just doesn't go for the coronavirus but it, it's this also this situation and we spoke with folks yesterday and I just I just want to share we had some um, you know I, I can think of one young man in particular looking to have a peaceful protest and learning of that uh, and having the chief reach out to him uh, to share with him the other things that we were learning that could potentially ha happen in the city. And he understood 
the reasoning that yesterday would not have been a good day for that peaceful protest because what he was looking to do could have potentially uh, others could have capitalized on his good deed and turned it into something that was uh, not wouldn't have turned out well for our community. So I believe that universally everyone is in agreement that what happened to George Floyd is despicable and should have never happened. And but that does not allow others to capitalize on what happened to this poor man and come in to communities across the country and vandalize and loot and destroy and set fire. That is not a message that aligns with what happened uh, to Mr. Floyd. I had the opportunity earlier to speak with Russ Oliver, who is working on a piece of, of what has happened over the past 24 hours or what steps have been taken. He was looking at the police logs, three arrests made overnight. Two of them uh, were Woonsocket residents. I believe one of them was a Worcester, Massachusetts uh, resident. So a little insight on at least uh, one individual coming in from out of town. Uh, when you're moving forward, I mean, here you, here you wake up yesterday morning almost adjusting to what is considered to be a new normal with the coronavirus. And, and here's another one laid on your shoulder, all while trying to get through the reworked budget. Um, not a lot of free time on your hand, Mayor. Oh, well, <laughs> there never seems to be a lot of free time, but, uh, you know, certain things take precedent and you have to uh, adjust and you have to move in a direction uh, where the importance, uh, uh, the level of importance in another area rises, and that's where we shift to, uh, keeping in mind that, you know, we have a community to protect and a community to run, and we have residents that we need to keep safe, and that's what we're going to do. Let's go to other uh, matters. Uh, the uh, city council passes uh, your budget. Uh, they make a few changes. So what I was seeing is uh, we saw Councilman Kanoya moving money out of your budget into contingency and basically saying to you, hey, Mayor, if you really need it, just uh, give us a call and we'll uh, allocate the money back into that line item for you. So I was thinking about you and I said, I wonder how she's feeling as she's sitting there seeing that money taken out of line items and put in contingency. Uh, so here's your chance to react, Mayor, because I didn't hear you reacting much during the council meeting. Probably that was a good idea that you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me, uh, let me first make something uh, clear. Uh, okay. I, I like Jim Knoyer. I think he's a very intelligent man. I think um, there are times that uh, he let the controlling of things get in the way of this good decisions for the city, and we've seen that on more than one occasion. Um, I understand what his message was about, you know, protecting the budget with the uncertainty of what's happening at the state level, but there are some uh changes that he made and like you indicated if you need it come back uh well you know this is government and you need tools and some of those tools were taken away in his amendments that he made and and this is not just his amendment this is anyone who supported the amendment amendment is in support of basically uh eliminating so much staff that it's ridiculous to even try to operate government. And that has an effect on the, on business owners, on potential new business, uh, on the residents. And to have to go back to say, you know, you just cut a person's job. No, you just put people out of work. And if you didn't know they worked there, then it would have been a good idea to have a conversation about that. So, you know, we're, we're busy. We're busier than we would have expected, considering what's happening across the country and across the world. Uh, and it is important for us to have the resources to help uh, individuals who have interest in coming into the city. And you, you cannot even imagine how stretched thin uh, the staff that we have and how committed they are. And a lot of the staff that we have could potentially move on and go work in another community. They like it here. They like the people that they're working with. Uh, so, you know, they stay with us, and I'm grateful for that. But there were some 
uh, line items that were moved into contingency that it would have been much better uh, for myself and Scott Gibbs in particular for the planning department to explain the necessity of, of the resources that were put in those, in those line items. And what, what befuddles me, quite frankly, is you hear certain counselors talk about you know, the wonderful things that are happening in other communities and how great Pawtucket is doing and how great Central Falls is doing. Well, clearly you didn't do your research because if you did, you would have recognized that the amount of staff they have uh, compared to, and I, and I don't criticize them, they should have that staff because when you're looking to move communities forward and you're looking to bring in business and economic development, you need the resources to do that. And those resources were stripped and, and, and pulled out. And so, you know, don't, don't be two-faced in your approach by saying you believe, and I'm not speaking about Jim Kanoya right now, I'm speaking about whoever feels that other communities are doing so well, but then you turn around and you vote to strip the resources that are needed in order to do the same thing. So, you know, that kind of thing does not go unnoticed. Uh, by the entire staff at City Hall, and certainly it is something that needs to be shared with the public in one socket. So when you introduced your budget uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and you introduced a 1% tax cut for for me as a private homeowner, that was nice, and for uh, commercial owners, I guess that's me too, radio station business, uh, happy to see that. But Mr. Kanoya shifts takes a little bit of the private uh, money uh, pri- private homeowners tax cut and throws it into the commercial thing to to make it a little bit uh, better for the commercial people did you think that was uh, just a ploy or did you think hey that, that wasn't such a bad idea because our commercial rate is so high to begin with so let, let's first get something straight that wasn't mr Kanoyer. that was jim Kanoyer, john brian john ward Dan Gendron, and Denise Sierra. Jim is one person, and he'll tell you that all the time, and he'll let you know he's one vote. That was five people who did that. Okay. So I think you know, Roger, as being a homeowner and a business owner, as we are, that there have been tax decreases every year for five years. And it's also no secret that we have a very high commercial tax rate. And this administration is the administration that has been balancing the budget, reducing taxes, and still bringing new business into the community. Could we bring more if we had the resources in place, resources that were moved on Monday night? Yes, we probably could. And that would have also benefited the commercial taxpayers and the residential taxpayers. Do I agree that the budget that. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't have been any amendments. Everybody has their own opinions on, on, on certain line items. But do I agree with the five counselors taking the budget that was introduced and raising the taxes on residential property owners? That's what they did. The budget in place reduced the taxes for the residential by 1%, which if you look at the residential tax rate, we're, we're pretty much competitive and bringing in home ownership is a good thing. But to shift that for the benefit of maybe it's symbolic or the difference in your commercial tax bill or my commercial tax bill is, is minimal, which is okay because minimum decreases is, are fine. But I don't agree with it, and quite frankly, the tax bill that the residents would have received uh, was now increased by that by that um, amendment, and I and I don't agree with it. No, I think it was fair at a time like this to have an equal tax decrease on the commercial side and on the residential side. So I saved about fifty bucks uh, on the commercial side, and. Um Losing about fifty dollars on <laughs> on the residential okay, side, so it was a kind of a neutral thing. Hey, Mayor, almost out of time. I just wanted to ask you: Are you satisfied with the um, the graduation uh, results of uh, the school committee and what they've done to modify the uh, graduation exercises, or are you still a, a little bit uh, put out by uh, maybe um, 
um, um, that they should have taken a little more aggressive uh, stance. Roger and Jeff, uh, I can tell you that my office and I'm sure the superintendent's office and school committee members were all receiving emails and phone calls from students, from parents, from some from grandparents who were not pleased with the fact that a virtual graduation uh, was the extent of of the, the ceremonies. Uh, everything would be virtual, whether it's awards or what have you. And I understand that there is something called the coronavirus, but every municipality in the state of Rhode Island were following the same guidelines and same suggestions by the Rhode Island Department of Health and the governor's office. And on Saturday, the day that I issued the press release stating that more needed to be done it was after receiving another email and then a phone call, which the phone call was the, the, the really the straw that broke the camel's back where they were upset with me and they were told to call me because of the virtual graduation. And I'm not going to say uh, which uh, school committee member they spoke with. And at that point, I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. It is a once-in-a-lifetime event for high school students. Other communities across the state are doing more than virtual. At times like this, you have to have plan A, plan B, and plan C. Now they may, you know, I know Paul Borgette said, we already had this in the works when the mayor put the press release out. That's not true. Um, and you can refer to the letter he, he, um, he released after my press release, which said, I'm sorry, but this is all that's going to happen is virtual. And even on your program, Roger, the first half hour well, when he spoke, it was all we can do is virtual due to health guidelines, etc. The second half of your program, he's, you know, potentially reading something or whatever he's doing. And now suddenly there's going to be a stage delivered to the high school and they'll be able to walk across the stage. So. I firmly believe that there would only have been a virtual graduation if I did not issue that press release. And my goal was to make certain that the students in Woonsocket High School, the seniors, had more than just the virtual. And I want to thank the parents who reached out, who had the ideas of walking across the stage in the fashion that they're doing, having signs made with the pictures of, of the graduates and have them placed uh, so they could, you know, See, see their picture on a graduation sign. A lot of those ideas came from parents and family members. And ultimately, I thank the, the school committee and the school administration for going back to the table and giving the graduates more because that's what they wanted. It was doable, and it happened. So I'm happy for them. Jeff, do you have a follow-up question before we leave? Uh... If I can just hit two quick direct questions, I think they're easy to answer for at least in my point of view, uh, you talked about displeasure with the v with the amendments to the budget. Is it enough displeasure to add up to a mayoral veto, even if it's just symbolic? Well, it, if you mean if it's just symbolic because they have because a they have the, the supermajority to override the right, veto, which I think is is you know unfortunate that that continues to happen. Um, yes, I know there's sometimes it's six and sometimes it's seven, but let's not you know, diminish the intelligence of the residents of Woonsocket. We all understand what's happening, and, um, and that's their prerogative. Uh, but if I'm going to veto something, I'm vetoing it because I believe it should be vetoed, and I believe I should point out, uh, you know, what I feel, um, it, it, you know, is, is harmful or what could be helpful. And if they still choose to, you know, prevent... Um, companies at Highland Corporate Park from having some relief from the stacking of cars coming down, which are impacting thousands of people and hundreds and hundreds of families in the city of Woonsocket, and that's what they believe is right, well, then they can override my veto. Um, but you live by your vote and you die by your vote. Uh, so, but I just feel in the, in the spirit of sharing back what my feelings are about those amendments, um, I will I will do that, and um, I will decide that. Obviously, yesterday, uh, some things got in the way of uh, 
of focusing on that, but I'll be back to focusing on that during the week. As citizens drive through the city, they may see City Hall boarded up. They may see the police station boarded up, etc. These public buildings still accessible to the public, just so the, uh, the citizens know? The buildings are in the same um, as far as being accessible to the public. Uh, prior to yesterday, the approach to government in the city is the same. Uh, city Hall is still closed to the public, but we are open, available, um, and we have been accommodating anyone who needs anything. Uh, it's worked out quite well. Obviously, this complicates things even more, uh, but our, our departments are staffed, and they're, they're there to, to assist anyone, whether from within or outside the city. Mayor, uh, these uh, thugs and agitators are uh, still going to be with us uh, over the weekend. Uh, I would imagine that uh, you are thinking about that, too, as this was not an only last night situation. Uh, this is um, long-term uh, trying to civil unrest, not only here. In Woonsocket, Garden City down in Cranston, Mayor Fung had his hands full last night between his two major shopping centers, Garden City and uh, the beautiful Terrace uh, Shopping Center on the other side. That's so, so nice. Anyway, uh, it's it's not going away, right? Well, we're, we're tracking that right now, and we will continue to track it. And uh, as I indicated before, we will do what is necessary to protect the residents of this city, and we including our police department, support peaceful protests. And, but the department will take appropriate action if there's, destruct, if there's destructive behavior, if there's violence, and we will not allow uh, for the lawless behavior that we're seeing in other communities. One of the most important things, you utilized it last night, the code red. Perhaps we could leave with another pitch on how and why citizens need to enroll in your code red program. Code red uh, can be irritating to people at times, especially when, um, you know, they may not care about a parking ban or they may not care that school is canceled. Uh, but it's, it's, it's difficult to differentiate between what people would like to receive in a code red or not. So if you get a code red and it's something that you have no interest in, and just hang up. Uh, but at times like this, it is important to have a code red. People are busy with their lives. They can't always know what's happening. Some people are not on social media. They don't see what's, what's taking place. So they can sign up for code red, and uh, public safety handles the disbursement of the message that goes out, like you uh, mentioned, was sent last night. So if someone would like to uh, sign up for Code Red, they can, I believe we still have the link on our website. Uh, if they cannot find the link, uh, they can call the Director of Human Services, Director Linda Place, at 767-9282. But I do believe that the Code Red link is, uh, is on the website. Mayor, thanks for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, we talked a little bit of uh, city news and a little bit about um, the events of the past 24 hours, and we appreciate uh, also having a nice conversation with Mr. Gibbs preceding uh, your visit with us. Good day to you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Good You're day. welcome. Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt on our live line with um, the report of what happened last night, um, and uh, there should be a pretty good follow-up story in the call as Russ Olivo uh, took some notes and uh, listened to uh, the proceedings. Well, Jeff, thank you again for uh, thank you. setting up uh, those uh, interviews for us. And we're going to close with um, Mr. Paul Bourget. Here's Paul Bourget, chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee, honoring the class of 2020. Joseph Pona, Andrew Prosser, Darius Rakowski, Zulika Ramos, Tajun Randalls, Mason Raymond, Kimberly Rial, Janellis Reyes de Jesus, Kyra Rich, Kaylin Rickett, Lindsay Riddick, Alex Rethefong, Azaria Riverd, Brendan Rivera, Yamil Rivera, Yasmin Rivera. 
Well, those are some of the graduates of the class of 2020. Congratulations from State Representative Michael Morin of Woonsocket. And uh, he congratulates the class of 2020 and wishes them the best in the future. And thank you for being with us. Uh, oh, wait, wait a minute. One more announcement here on the Upfront program. We made the announcement a little bit earlier. But the good news is back. Missy's Family Restaurant is excited to announce that they'll be reopening this coming Friday, June 5, at 7 a.m. Limited menu. But they're back again. So good. Uh, I, I hope that limited menu includes their baked beans. <laughs> I'm going to have to have a talk with... Uh, all right. Now, back to the commercial. Dine-in will be available at 50% capacity limit starting on Friday. You're urged to call ahead for seating availability. Take-out orders, too, by calling 401-597-6442. New restaurant hours open daily 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Coming back on Friday, Missy's Family Restaurant, 801 Clinton Street, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. This has been WNRI's Upfront.